You're listening to the Handmade CEO Podcast. My name is Maria Lauren, small business owner and creative entrepreneur. Each week, we'll discover the steps and motivation that inspire our guests to create income from their skills. Get ready to start learning how to creatively pursue your dream job by crafting it yourself. Thank you for tuning in to episode 32. In today's show, Robbie shares his journey into the specialty liqueur business. His creativity and desire to produce superior products have paved the way for all of his endeavors. Finding his passion in all things creative, Robbie's ambition is truly inspiring. Hi, Robbie. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's my pleasure. I would love to start with your background and how you got started with Apolog. Okay, so my background is unique. Apolog and spirits working in the hospitality space in general was not something I was looking to do. It's something that kind of just naturally happened. I moved to Chicago a little over 10 years ago, maybe 12 years. Can't say for sure right now. I guess I was 21 and I moved here to play music. And the first job I got was actually as a valet. I I got hired off the street. I'd been here for one day and I started parking cars a couple of nights a week at bars and restaurants. And I was fortunate to work at a couple of cooler, hipper bars and restaurants where I got to know a few people that worked there. And it wasn't long before I wound up getting offered a position as a bar back, which I uh, immediately said yes to parking cars in the winter in Chicago, standing outside running as fast as you can for eight hours at a pop is, uh, you don't, you don't need it. painful. Yeah. A couple, <laughs> two, a couple years is enough. So yeah, I started bar backing and then wound up working at the Violet Hour as an opening bar back. And I didn't really know much about the spirits space or hospitality or working in kind of a high-end cocktail bar. But, you know, I was fortunate to work with people that were at the time a lot smarter than I was. And I tried to learn as much as possible from the people around me. And, you know, I saw some a lot of parallels between making cocktails and making music. To me, they're pretty similar. You know, you're taking different elements with different personalities and you're combining them in interesting ways to hopefully achieve something that is greater than the sum of its parts. And you're kind of tailoring that experience for guests and trying to, to read them, engage their palate. So over the years, I developed a kind of like a, a fascination with just kind of flavor and the kind of art of mixing and blending ingredients. And that led to one of my kind of early mentors, a gentleman named Terry Alexander, who was a partner at Violet Hour. He was always pushing me to bring a big idea to the meeting. You know, he'd, mm-hmm. he'd start the meeting. Who's got Who's got a good idea? I spent some time and I, I was out at a bar the night before, you know, our, our weekly manager meeting. And I'd taken a shot of Malort, which is a, you know, his, a, an infamous Chicago shot. It's a rite of passage, yes. if you will. <laughs> and, you know, I appreciate bitter flavors. I appreciate challenging flavors. And candidly, I, I thought their kind of response, the general public's response to Malort was a, a bit exaggerated. They, they had really kind of played up the it's so disgusting angle. But honestly, I, I find bitter flavors pleasant and, and Malort is a wormwood liqueur. And so that just got the gears turning that night that Maybe there was an opportunity to make a, a bitter wormwood liqueur with all natural ingredients and more of like a reimagined boutique craft version of one of Chicago's most infamous spirits. And that's 
kind of how it started. I, I woke up the next day and had a pretty good idea already of, of what kind of ingredients I would want to incorporate. And I started tinkering with the recipe. And once I had something that I thought was good and balanced, I reached out to a friend of mine who had recently started a gin distillery called Leatherby. And I just pitched him on the idea. I said, I have a, I've got a product. I've got, I think it's a cool, interesting angle. I know how to make it. Do you want to do this? And once I got him signed on, then Mm -hmm. I went to the partners at the Violet Hour and said, look, I got a product. Now I got someone that'll make it. Why don't you back me on this and we'll do a, a limited run for the bar just for the bar, it'll be coming a special package and we can get a little press out of it. Truth be told, it came together pretty pretty effortlessly. Wow. It, it does seem pretty seamless how that came together for you. How did that transition into Apolog? So, good question. At the time, it's called Leatherby Malort. We end up changing the name to Leatherby Besk due to some copyright issues with the kind of the historic maker. And that's it. It it kind of grew out of the bar. We started seeing bottles pop up in, in other other cities, other states. I would go out of town to New York and I would see a bottle on a back bar there. And it kind of took on a life of its own. And then for a while, that was it. I was pretty content. I, I helped Leatherby out whenever I could with, with travel and you know, obviously tried to promote the Leatherby Besk as much as possible. And flash forward several years later, I got a phone call, actually Eden, my wife, and she had had someone reach out to her who was interested in doing some work, creating a product in the liqueur space and asking if she knew anyone that knew how to make liqueurs. And I'm sure other people make liqueurs in Chicago, but I happen to be one of the few people that that have had significant experience making liqueurs and Jordan and I started talking and and we hit it off and we came up with this idea that we could kind of reimagine and elevate the liqueur space and do something that was maybe more interesting, more contemporary, more modern. It's a it's a category that historically has a lot of artificial flavors, artificial ingredients, artificial colors. And we, you know, when I had originally made the best, I was just using kind of raw, real ingredients, dried fruit, roots, herbs, and barks. And I, I kind of had a hunch that we could use these natural ingredients and, and a minimally invasive production process and create something that was elegant and on par with kind of the big players in that space. It's kind of appalling when you order a drink and it's like a weird blue color that you think, okay, that is totally yeah. just food coloring. <laughs> so that's what I love about all of the stuff that you've ever created. It seems so natural and it doesn't feel like it's going to be something you're going to be regretting. No, and I think that's that has to do a little bit with kind of getting a little older and just being a marginally more health conscious and aware of the things that I've put in my body. Bartending is tough. And when I was, you know, working behind the bar four or five, six days a week, I would, I was eating pretty poorly. I was drinking a lot. And kind of towards the end of my stint behind the bar, I started, you know, just trying to eat better, drink a lot more water, drink juices, exercise. And then when I do have a cocktail or an aperitif or a spritz or something, you know, I, I want to have something that I am comfortable consuming. Um, right. And the great thing about liqueurs in particular is it's it's alcohol 
is really effective at extracting the things that are interesting or compelling about real ingredients. And you don't need to do all of these unnatural things to it to create something that is delicious. You just need to be a little bit more mindful in the process. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And can you tell me a little bit about how you divide up the task of creating new products or promoting your products or even creating your cocktail recipes? Yep. So my favorite part is kind of the the initial ideation when it comes to creating a, a flavor profile or a product. And that holds up kind of with just about anything, the liqueurs, but also some of the other projects that we've done. I really kind of just try to get into the vibe of whatever the primary ingredient is. So we launched a saffron liqueur that was our most recent liqueur. And for two or three weeks, I just eat, sleep, and breathe saffron. That's expensive, Robbie. (laughs) (laughs) I taste it, find dishes, traditional cuisine that that Mm -hmm. features it. You kind of start to get a sense for a region. And then the other ingredients that kind of round out the recipe are all there to either complement or reinforce the saffron. And and ultimately, I I try to tell a little bit of a story. I, I, I want it to be I don't know. I, I want to be like respectful of like the main ingredient and support it with things that make sense. So saffron, like obviously like turmeric, cardamom, coriander, lemongrass, kind of these Southeast Asian Indian flavors. They kind of go uh, hand in hand. And when I build the first batch, I mass ingredients. I, I usually try to overshoot. I'll get 20 things that I think would go well with it. I lay mm-hmm. them all out on the table and I try to take notes and I, I kind of just go with the flow and I'll, I'll just grab stuff and put it in until it feels right and then make sense of it afterwards. As you may already know, I'm a huge fan of selling on Etsy. I've had over 10 years of selling my jewelry and digital cards there. And to be honest, it is by far the easiest platform to navigate. It takes no time at all to list an item with a smartphone. And really, that's how I get most of my products in my shop. To make it easier for you to get started, I'm sharing a link in the show notes for you to open your shop with 40 free listings. That should motivate you to finally take that first step and get your shop online. If you're looking to finally open your store with absolutely nothing to lose, now is the time to try Etsy. Now back to the show. Okay, Um, so that seems like a really long process from start to finish. How do you know... Do you do several batches so that you know, like, okay, I paired this one with this flavor and I'll pair a different one with a different flavor? Um, I spend a couple of weeks thinking about it, tasting okay. stuff. And then when it, when it's, when it's time to make it, I usually, the, you know, the first batch usually comes together and I'll do it. I'll stay up late and do it at night. And then from there, we just try to solve for scale. So the first batch is always a couple gallons. And if things are ballpark or generally feeling good together, then the challenge becomes scaling it up to a, uh, a batch size that makes sense and keeping that profile, that flavor profile that you're after kind of in focus. But I would say start to finish, usually about a month. You know, the, the thing that eats up a lot of time is the, the process itself, the, the maceration process. So maceration, for anyone that doesn't know, is kind of using alcohol to, ex- to extract those flavors from the botanicals. And that takes time. Um, right. It takes about a week. So turnaround time on a batch is a week, but a lot of that week, it's just kind of sitting there doing its thing. Got it. That is so awesome. And how did you guys decide on sourcing ingredients that were local? So 
we really wanted Applelog to be a, a B corporation, a benefit corp. And that has to do with uh, a few things. A lot of it has to do with how you treat your suppliers, where you source from, the type of products you're sourcing. And the first three releases, we, we looked pretty heavily at the Midwest. We were looking for non-GMO ingredients and for the, for the primary ingredients. In this case, it was persimmon, celery root, and aronia berry. We were just looking for high-integrity farmers that we could personally work with that could provide a quality product. You know, a big part of what we do is finding ingredients that people might not have access to all the time or that they might be a little harder to work with. And we get those in a bottle, get that flavor in a bottle so people can use it. So things like persimmon, which have a very short American persimmon, which have a has a really short growing season is only around for uh, a, a month or two. And, okay. you know, liqueurs historically were a way to kind of preserve fruits that were in season so you could consume them later. So yeah, as far as ingredients, there's nothing to hide behind. So like the, the ingredients themselves are really kind of the star or what is featured. So we just try to get the best stuff that we can find and it makes a difference. Yeah, I have to say I've had the privilege of trying several of your liqueurs and I think they're all amazing. <laughs> you guys have done an amazing job with that. Thank you. Are, are you still the person that's primarily creating the different concoctions or do you have somebody? Because it, it's a partnership, correct? Yeah, so we have a small team now. We have like five employees and you know, production days, we're, we're all there blending bottling, filtering, packaging, boxing. And then the rest of the week, we kind of split up someone. We have a couple people that are focused on sales, some people that are focused more on creative advertising, digital marketing, and then someone that's focused more on the the books and back end. And Jordan and I also are constantly looking for new project projects, things that we can take on things that while they might not be in the liqueur space, we feel are like complementary to what we are doing with mm-hmm. Apolog. Would that be some of the, the community involvement that you're talking about? Yeah. So there's a community component that runs pretty heavy with Apolog. For example, 2% of sales of each product that we make goes to a different nonprofit organization. We also like log community service hours, but I think we're, you know, always with Apolog and with their brand, we are always just trying to find opportunities to to do better and be better for our suppliers and our community and everyone that we work with. A lot of events, which we look for organizations that we can contribute to that will appreciate the impact that we are able to have. What I like about your site is that it has all the recipes. It has everything you need to know about the community involvement that you're working with or doing. And I, I love that it's it's giving back. So you don't see that a lot. A lot of times people are just focusing on the profit so much that they forget to incorporate some of that community involvement. I think it's really nice. Yeah, I think if you're going to be hands-on and involved, it makes it uh, a lot more rewarding and enjoyable. Right, for sure. How do you structure everything in your business so that it doesn't kill the creativity? Sometimes as a business owner, it feels a little bit overwhelming to try and do everything. We have very complimentary personalities on the Apple Log team, which affords me opportunities to kind of go out on a limb and tease out crazy ideas and you know, not all of them work, but I feel fortunate to at least have the opportunity to kind of see some of them through. And on the flip side, 
my partner Jordan and every other team member also, you know, everyone kind of gets to weigh in on the things we do and the directions we take. And so I think there's overlap, but everyone on the team has really kind of defined strengths. And then we try to be complementary to each other in every other aspect. The, the thing I enjoy most is the creative process, you know, and whether that's working on the liqueurs, working on graphics, putting together events, or coming up with new products, the, the creative process is what I find to be most fulfilling. And I feel fortunate to have an organization around me that supports those efforts. Yes, that sounds like a dream job. So what retailers are you in? Yeah, so Apolog is available, Benny's in, in Chicago, we're available like kind of like your most large liquor stores and most independent craft liquor stores and bottle shops. And then, okay. yeah, outside of Chicago, we're in a few states, New York, Wisconsin, D.C., Tennessee, Texas. Yeah, I believe we're in like 13 or so states now. Wow, that is so great. In regards to the, the cocktails, what would you recommend? Like if this is your first time trying Epilogue, what would you suggest would be a good entry drink? I feel like spritzes are a, not only a great cocktail for, for most occasions, but particularly well-suited for Apolog. You only need two ingredients, sparkling wine, and it works with any liqueur. And then mm-hmm. add ice and garnish it with a little fresh citrus peel and you got a cocktail. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. So, Robbie, well, a couple of last things. If you were putting out new recipes, do you share those mostly on your website or are you on Instagram yeah. mostly? I feel like if someone kind of wants to get tuned in to the Apolog world, they should check out our website and follow us on Instagram. And then the the best place to, to find Apolog is that in, in the past has been your favorite bar or restaurant. These days, things are a little different. So a lot of our business has gone to retailers. So yeah, places like Benny's are always good. They're always stocked. Uh, and I guess the nice thing about Benny's is you could grab a bottle of Apolog and a nice bottle of bubbles while you're there to make some spritzes. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you, Ravi. I can't wait to see what other amazing flavors you come up with. Uh, thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Well, there you have it, my friend. Another outstanding handmade CEO improving an industry that in many ways has been unchanged for ages. I love that Ravi's journey started here in Chicago as a valet. In a short amount of time, he found himself working at a bar, observing and learning. This small change in environment was all it took to spark Robbie's curiosity and desire to create natural, unique, and responsibly sourced liqueurs. When you make quality your minimum requirement, you're destined to make great things. Recently, Robbie has teamed up with Big Star to help develop a canned margarita. If you're over 21, you can find this tasty treat at Foxtrot Markets, Binnie's, and at some Whole Foods locations. Robbie has provided a few cocktail recipes that you can find in the show notes and the links to Apple. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Handmade CEO podcast. Don't forget to check the show notes to get a glimpse of today's featured guest and special offers. If you love the show, leave a review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. Now it's your turn to start handcrafting your dream job. 